0: Professor Forever Professor Forever Hello, welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. I realize that today's episode is the 14th podcast of my second season. 2 14. Which reminded me of Valentine's Day Which made me think I should talk about something that I love And so this is a poetry A love for poetry episode With a few dips into grief Recently, there was an article in The New Yorker about rhyme. I was happy to see it. The gist of the article was about how rhyme in America, straight rhyme, evolved into a type of writing like light verse versus serious poetry. I agree with this idea that straight rhyme has evolved to become considered something less than Serious poetry. The article talks about how the English language makes it very difficult to use straight rhyme, pure rhyme, like cat hat, often because of our sounds in our language. So, part of the problem with straight rhyme is that we don't have a lot of options, we being English speakers. The article also talked about people who were really good at using straight rhyme. They mentioned some classic poets like W.H. Auden, and they talk about Wendy Cope. They talk about composers for musical numbers in musicals and how clever they could be with puns and rhymes. And I would also include into that category Dorothy Parker. So then the article goes into the importance of rap dovetailing this idea with some forms of rhyme are considered less than other forms and saying that rap might not get the accolade that it deserves. I agree with this also. I feel like the point of the article was to make people wonder about the way certain groups judge poetry i remember going to a reading of mark strand one time and asking him about performance poetry and him giving a response That was something like, is it poetry? There has long been, in my experience, so I'm couching this mostly in the world of Chicago poetry, a long-standing duel between what is considered page poetry and stage poetry because there are so many performance poets and slam poets from Chicago. And page poetry has a different set of rules. And I would say the majority of scholars think that page poetry is more sophisticated than stage poetry. Anyway, back to rap. This idea of rhyme and rap. I was so happy to read this article in the way they were portraying rap and saying how ingenious some rap artists are for their use of rhyme, slant rhyme, assonance, alliteration. It made me smile from ear to ear because every creative writing Class that I have taught I have Taught about rap And I'm Very keen To point out How important Some of The content in rap is As well as the sound And the article in the New Yorker Was also talking about that I think that that is how they Wrapped up their article with this point that the real test for a poem is the way that rhyme is used, and I'm talking about any kind of rhyme, slant rhyme, half rhyme, assonance. Not I'm saying that, but the writer of the article was saying the way that it's relevant to the content is key to whether poetry resounds or not. So, going back to the point before that the English language has some limitation when it comes to pure rhyme. If a poet can use rhyme of any sort, half rhyme, slant rhyme, and they can make the rhyme fit into the context and the content of the message, if you will, of the poem. That's when the real magic happens with sound. I agree with that to a point. I do think that sound for sound's sake is good in some poetry, but I understand the point that the writer was trying to make. That there's, you don't want to just rhyme because you can. You want the rhyme and poetry to help further the image or further the message or further the metaphor. And I was also glad because when I taught about rap in my creative writing classes, I taught that there were. Several elements to a good rap They were alliteration Assonance Syncopation And cultural references And the New Yorker article was pretty much backing me up And those of you who know how I feel about the New Yorker And the research and the writing that's done in it In nonfiction, I just was tickled pink at this realization that I was teaching rap the same way a genius writer from the New Yorker was looking at rap. What's a good example? So Eminem's Lose Yourself was a piece that I used in my class as an example to show my students how to use assonance, which is the same vowel sound in poetry. So it's the ah sound repeated or the eh sound repeated. If it's inside a line that is internal rhyme, just wanted to say that. Okay, alliteration is the repetition of a consonant. So that's when you have a C, C, C word, or a D, D, D word. Alliteration, assonance, syncopation is when a word is pronounced in a way that is not the typical way to pronounce it. I remember I sang a song that I wrote, a little poetic, nerdy, funny song to the tune of gobs and gobs of greasy, grimy gopher guts. Perhaps you remember me doing that. In that little ditty, I pronounce, I say, are my fine? That's an example of syncopation. So it's, are my mitochondria, fine, the little engines of the cells, but because of the tune that I was using, it comes out mitochondria, not mitochondria. That's an example of syncopation, and we're going to have it in the Lose Yourself. And cultural reference. Listen to this part of Lose Yourself and see if you can pick out each of those elements. Alliteration, assonance, or vowel sound rhyme, internal rhyme, syncopation, and cultural reference. This is just in one small part of this rap tune. Best believe somebody's paying the Pied Piper, all the pain inside amplified by the fact that I can't get by with my nine to five and I can't provide the right type of life for For my family, cause man These goddamn food stamps Don't buy diapers And it's no movie There's no Mackay Pfeiffer This is my life and these times Are so hard and it's getting Even harder trying to feed and water My seed plus teeter-totter Caught up between Being a father and a prima donna Baby mama drama Screaming on her Okay, I'll stop there it's a fabulous model for all of those elements. I used to love rhyme of every shape and form imaginable. I never thought of it as elementary or boring or silly. One of the first poems that I wrote as an adult When sound had been just gnawing at my brain Was a love poem for an actor, actress uh, In a particular TV show in the late 80s, early 90s That actors name is Yvonne Suhor. I wrote a poem called Very Nice Red Aloud. Part of it went like this. When she saw Suhor, something must have meant to brew there, drew her to her TV rendezvous with her, made her wonder what she wore if she snored, and why she just had to say, I come for the kids, instead of, I've come for the children. Do you catch the internal rhyme? Do you catch the assonance? The alliteration? The whole piece was a cultural reference because it was about a TV show. The Young Writer's. When I moved into performance, that was several years later in my life And I really just kept pushing the sound And pushing the sound I felt like my content was okay But I wanted it to get better but it was chock full of slant rhyme and asinus and chiasmus chiasmus which is when you have a vowel sound and then a second vowel sound and then in the next word the second vowel sound of the first word is gives assonance with the first syllable of the second word and then the second syllable of the second word has slant rhyme or assonance with the first syllable of the first word. White bread dendrite is an example of a two-word hyphenated word, but two-word chiasmus. That came from school. I used to love rhyme. Then I went to school. I went to grad school when I was older. But I wanted to be able to teach. I had been teaching for years in alternative settings and in elementary schools through the Chicago Poetry Center. But I wanted to teach poetry, especially at a university. And so I went back to grad school so that I could get some more education and get a terminal degree because that's what you need. To teach at a university. And that is the very least that you need now, folks. School can be a wonderful place to go to. To explore, to learn, to find new things about the world and about yourself. But school can also kill things. When I went to grad school, I took all my poetry with me. I had quite a repertoire by that time because I had been performing in town and around the Midwest and running a show and um, hosting other shows. And I was well-liked as a stage poet And people bought my chapbook, so they liked to have the stage poetry also on a page so that they could have it. But when I went to grad school, this poetry that had come sprung from my heart and sound was so much a part of it. It was regarded as juvenile, as less than, because it was performance-based. Professors would tear up my poems that I would turn in for workshop It would make me cry on the way home And I was not a crier But some of my peers, they would never say anything during the workshop When uh, everything was being throttled But some of them would come up to me afterwards and go Hey, I thought it was a great poem, by the way And I thought, why didn't you say something? Anyway, I realized later why I was crying all the time. Something about that process, that school, grad school, workshop process, was killing my sound. I began trying to stick to the rules of page poetry. And it sucked up my love for sound It sucked up my vibe That came so easily to me before for sound Two grad schools later My sound was almost extinct from my poetry Maybe my line breaks were better But my sound was gone I've been trying to get it back, and some people have really been helping me, and I really appreciate it. But still, something was broken at school. Please, if you're a teacher or a professor, please think about ways that you can enlarge, expand your viewpoint on certain things on certain dogmas, on certain lessons, on certain types of teaching. Maybe you can incorporate new points of view instead of saying that one narrow, small hallway is the acceptable way. Don't kill things for students. I beg of you. Try to envision realms other than your own realm I'm going to read a poem for you Or just say it It's a poem that people loved when I was a stage performer It's in a chapbook I doubt it'll get, ever get anywhere other than that But I wanted you to hear the sound That was so replete In my poetry At one time Maybe someday I'll get it back I just went to the fair The San Diego County Fair And so I turned to this poem Which has a lot of alliteration Assonance Syncopation And it does have references to a local icon of my time. This poem is called All's Fair Where Fair Is. It's exciting even before it begins and sad even before it ends When my hometown's Canfield Fair spins each school year in My neighbors and I all get prepared for those ups and downs From well-baked grandmas to idle factory workers twirling run-of-the-mill thumbs To international harvester farmers barking When the Canfield Fair comes in as surely as fall any foreigner can steal downtown because no one's there. It's the true bluest shade of local color and not one smell is missing either from mixed food messes to messy blue-collar babies to baby cows astounded. And sights go ahead and shut every eye and it's all still there, the fair. All's fair where fair is... Domestic quarrels kneel before more domesticated animals. Snap Wyatt's freak banners command August air and you think why in the world in the wide world of words would anyone dare to call this fair when it's so excellent? Exquisite A plus Learn to calculate the top of a tilt a whirl curve and surf it breakneck to its bottom. Thor's hammer blows the biggest boys down While they frustratingly flutter their tongues on Swiss warblers Fairs are surreal, yes siree There are some cartoons more afraid than the bun businessmen bungee jumping there And you can buy blue candy apples for the price of a lunch Pig iron derbies right beside to die for performances Of kids in band in lives of Sleeping In and Dusted Corners Beware the fifth of Canfield Fair days, when farmers run back to their fields and kids drag their feet reticent to school. It's sad before it ends and even sadder when it does. The carnies stub out their cigars and haul summer away in chinks and clunks. Over furled Mahoning Valley hills, the Canfield Fair spills despite how hard we clutch. We watch its flagrant last egress, and we cuss, and we sigh, and we spit, and we think, shit, there goes the fair. Unfair. Fair. Unfair. Fair. Unfair. It's so unfair. Thanks for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever Professor forever